song. Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight. Go to the book of Philippians as we continue our series on finding joy in the journey. <clears throat> finding joy in the journey. If you're able to, let's stand tonight for the reading of the Word of God. And as we stand tonight, I wanted to remind you, and uh, if you were here this morning, you heard the announcement, maybe already made the connection, but if you're here tonight as a man, we have uh, been talking about and we finally were able to secure and we're, we're uh, planning a, a, a men and boys camp out right here locally at Markham Park. It's uh, just about 15, 20 minutes away from the church here. And uh, it's May the 10th, 11th, and 12th. That's a Thursday afternoon, evening, uh, Friday, and then Saturday till about 1 o'clock. And uh, if I'd love for every man to be able to come out and just enjoy God's creation. It's not going to be just... Uh, full preaching the entire time. You'll be able to just sit in a chair underneath of a shade tree. You'll be able to do various things at the park that they have there. If you've got a son or maybe want to bring a young man, uh, there's things you can do. There's bike trails and things like that. Uh, I think, I don't know much about it, but there's a shooting range. There's all kinds of things. You can go online and look at Markham Park and uh, there's a lot of things there. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be one of the, one of the highlights of time together as men, and we'll probably, Brother Guy, do this in, in lieu of the uh, men's breakfast instead, just trying to create some new opportunities for our men. And, uh, and so guys, if you, if you want some information, now we said this morning that uh, some of you I know need to check your schedules, things like that. Uh, if you work during the day and you can't get off, we, we still want you to come out to the park after you get off of work. There'll be evening services, there'll be time to sit around the bonfire, roast marshmallows, uh, you can talk about the good old days, whatever you want to do, come on out and just enjoy it, enjoy some good Christian fellowship, and uh, if, you're, if you're physically not able to, or you're allergic to sleeping out in the open doors, uh, tents, things like that, uh, if you want to, uh, we'd love for many of you to be able to just camp out in tents or whatever, you can bring that, we've got some folks that have tents, so it's not like you have to run out and buy a bunch of camping equipment, but if you, if you want to, because it's close, you can go home, sleep in your bed, come back in the morning, and enjoy uh, the next day. And so I think it's going to be a great, great time. Brother Kenny has the information, so I'm going to have Brother Kenny post out in the lobby right after the service. He can give you some information if you didn't get it this morning. And if you are interested, or you might be, we want you to go ahead and fill out a little informational card we want to try to make sure that we know how many so we can prepare for food, things like that. The cost won't be a lot. Uh, I think it'll be well worth the money, the investment, the time, the fellowship. And to be honest with you, I just love to get out in the open uh, with, with men of God. I think it'll be a great, great time. So if you have any questions, see Brother Kenny and encourage other men to say, hey, listen, let's, let's uh, enjoy this time that we'll have. I think it's going to be a great time. So, Brother Kenny, you help us with that after the service. Tonight, we're in Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to read from verse 22 down to the end of chapter number 2. And if you're able to tonight, we're going to read these verses responsibly. I'll read the first verse. You collectively read the second verse. I'll read the third. You read the fourth and so on till we get down there. And I will tell you, in case you're not used to the word, when you get to verse 25, there's a name there. Don't let the length of it scare you. The man's name is Epaphroditus, all right, Epaphroditus. And so I'm going to read verse 22, and then you'll pick it up with verse 23, all right? 
So here we go. The Bible says, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. <laughs> and let's, let's read verse 30 together. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. And tonight from these verses, I want to really look at some character sketches of individuals. A lot of times I can see when I look in the scriptures, I can see God giving us character sketches of people that either we can identify with or people that we may know someone just like them. These are, these are uh, real people that were a part of the work of God, that were doing a great work for God. And I pray that we would learn something tonight for our own lives, that we would get something out of this passage and from the Word of God. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for those that in the Word of God prove themselves to be faithful. And Lord, tonight that's what you are desiring is that we, the church today, would be found faithful. Bless the service tonight. Bless the Word. Thank you for it. And Lord, may our, our lives be strengthened. May we be encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. You know, you, you think about this matter of being proven faithfully. Proven faithfully. It means to be established as genuine. To be verified by the validity of who you are. The Bible says that it is God's desire, it, that it's required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. God's still looking for someone that is faithful. Faithfulness deals with being devoted to the master's service. This isn't my work. This is the Lord's work, and it's marvelous in our eyes. God is doing some wonderful things. And listen, don't believe the media. Don't believe the liberals. Don't believe the skeptics. Don't believe the devil. Believe that God is still doing a great work even in this day and hour that we live in. Uh, the Bible records about Moses in Hebrews 3, that Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. We're still talking about Moses. You know why? Because God immortalized him in the Word of God, that he was a man that was found to be faithful. He had a life that proved he was devoted to God. He was faithful to God. In, in 1555, as part of her campaign 
to reestablish the Catholic Church in England, Queen Mary, also known as Bloody Mary, she arranged for John Pilfot, uh, one of the leading Protestant ministers of that day, to be burned at the stake. When his death sentence was pronounced, Pilpot said, I am ready. God grant me the strength and a joyful resurrection. Pilpot walked to the place of his execution on his own, rather than having to be dragged to it. And when he reached it, he knelt down and kissed the stake at which he was to be burned at. He was a man that was found to be faithful. And praise the Lord for faithful servants of God. People that are just dedicated to the Lord. And, and I find here that in the message tonight that Paul was one of those individuals and he's one that we will look at. But it's interesting as Paul is writing here and we're going through the book of Philippians, we're talking about having joy in the journey of the Christian life that I want to remind you, Paul is writing this while he is in prison. He's finding joy while he is under arrest. And Paul is writing here to those in Philippi, and the one thing I, I got out of the passage was this, that Paul, although he wanted to, he personally could not go and check on the state of the church at Philippi. That's one of the reasons that we are doing care group fellowships, is because the Bible says that we should know the state of the flock. In other words, I think it's important that each one of us are involved in a care group, that we are having fellowship one with another. Sometimes people say, well, I just don't see the value of doing something like that because it helps all of us to connect. Everybody wants to belong to something. And I can't think of a greater thing to belong to than to be a part of the family of God, to be a part of the church of the living God. And we find here in this passage tonight that Paul had a desire to check on the church at Philippi to make sure that things were going according to God's will. And so what did he do? The passage told us that he chose to send someone that was faithful, that had proven himself to be faithful, someone that Paul could trust. And in these verses tonight, again, we're going to look at three people, three character sketches of people that had proven themselves to be faithful. Notice the first one of those three individuals was Timothy. And Timothy was faithful in ministry. Now, I think about Paul, and Paul, of course, did so many great things for God. But, you know, don't discount the fact those that worked with Paul, those that helped Paul. Paul had a lot of people, and I love to read the book of Romans. It's a great book, and it's interesting, when you come to the end of that book, he spends the entire time talking about all the individuals that meant so much to him, that meant so much to the work of God. And we need to make sure that we're always giving credit and giving honor where honor is due. And here's a young man, Timothy, that through discipleship and through training, which by the way is, is the responsibility of the church, is that Paul took this young man underneath of his wing. He began to try to help Timothy. He began to to try to train young Timothy. And look, all of us realize in ministry, we're not getting any younger. Someone is going to take our place in ministry. And every one of us are different and unique and have our own personalities. 
But Paul realized that God had put Timothy in his life and he began to train him and to teach him. And Paul was one that he took this man and he tried to help him. And in the, in the results of that were that Timothy became a faithful companion to the Apostle Paul. It is actually, as you study uh, Timothy's life, many believe that Timothy ministered to people in the exact same way that Paul would have ministered to those people. I think that's to Paul's credit, and I think that Timothy, through the Lord helping him to see the care and the love and the compassion that Paul had towards other people after he was gloriously saved. And I think it's a great thing to see. You can see it tonight in verse 22 where Timothy had an approved reputation. He had an approved reputation. The Bible says, but you know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul t trusted Timothy. And you know why? Because Timothy was reliable. He was reliable. I, I like to look at certain things and Sometimes I, I'll look at people's lives and a lot of times I'll see certain figures even in sports that kind of catch my attention. One of those people years ago was a man that many called the Iron Man, Cal Ripken Jr. Played for the Baltimore Orioles baseball team and over the course of time, amazingly, Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's seemingly unsurmountable record of 2,130 consecutive games that Gehrig played. And I think a lot of people thought that record will never be broke until Cal Ripken Jr. came along. Cal Ripken Jr. broke that record, but they said that Gehrig never missed a game for over 15 seasons. He played despite a broken toe a broken rib, a broken thumb, a twisted back, several attacks of lumbago, and numerous bouts with colds and the flu. And it's interesting that Gehrig and Ripken both stand as testimonies. Even though they're sports figures, even though they may not have been Christians, they may or may not have been, I don't know, but they stand as an example of the importance of being reliable. The coach never had to worry. I wonder if Cal's going to play in the game today. Never had to worry about, I wonder if Lou's up to it today. No, they were just reliable. That's exactly when somebody said the name Timothy to Paul, Paul thought the same thing. I know Timothy is up for it. As a matter of fact, he uses the word proof in the Word of God, verse 22. The very word means to be approved or of a tried character. Look, Timothy might have been young, but don't discount it. Young people can be very reliable too. Timothy saw something in the Apostle Paul and God was working in his life. And don't forget, Timothy had a mother and a grandmother that had taught him from the time he was a child. This man was reliable and Timothy had been with Paul. Honestly, you studied out from almost the very beginning of Paul's missionary journeys, Timothy had proven himself to be reliable to Paul. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.17. He writes, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, notice, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Did you catch what Paul wrote in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He says, look, 
when he comes, he's going to remind you of my ways, the, th the way I would do things. But then Paul says, he says, the ways that I would do, which be in Christ. Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm trying to instruct people, help people, care for people exactly the way that Christ would care for them. And that's what I've tried to teach Timothy. Listen, as a pastor, one of the things that God has really, the older I get, is people don't need to act like me. People don't need to be like me. What they need to be like is Jesus. We need to be more like Christ. I've had conversations with people even in the past, and I've said to them, listen, I just want you to know that I don't believe that that was Christ-like. And the truth is, there's times where I've been that way. And I'm ashamed of myself sometimes whenever I don't care for somebody the way I should. Maybe I don't think about them as a lost soul. Paul was always thinking about other people. He always cared about other people. And listen, honestly, in his life, when God put Timothy into Paul's life, Paul thought, here's a young man that has proven himself to be faithful in the Lord. One of the great preachers of old, Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the testimony of his life, Spurgeon preached to thousands of people over, the, over his lifetime. And they said that, that when Spurgeon started his ministry, he began by just simply passing out gospel tracts and teaching a Sunday school class. He was just a teenager when he taught that class, but in that Sunday school class, as he began to teach, he began to, as they put it, give addresses. In other words, he began to, to preach a little bit in his Sunday school class, and as he began to do that, God began to bless the ministry of the word that Spurgeon used. As Spurgeon preached, even in his Sunday school class, God began to, to bless, and God began to give opportunities. He, Spurgeon was invited to preach in obscure places in the countryside. Listen, some people would say, well, I don't want to go out there and preach in the countryside. I want to preach in some big auditorium with thousands and thousands of people. But Spurgeon said, listen, if God's given me an opportunity, he says, I'm going to take that opportunity. And with every opportunity that he was afforded, you know what he did? He took that opportunity to honor the Lord. Now, from that, here's what I get. Spurgeon is a great example that he was faithful in small things. And while he was being faithful in small things, here's what happened. God trusted him with bigger things. And I think that principle is so true today. You know, whatever it is that you have, look, and I'm not just talking about finances. Whatever it may be in your life, it may be, we just sang the song, little is much when God is in it, right? And as God gives you things, you might think, well, I don't have much. Remember what the widow had? Two mites. It might be small in your eyes, but if you yield it, you give it to God, God will give you greater things. Now, look, we don't give to get, but the principle is here. Look at Matthew 25, 21. The Lord said unto him, well done, now watch this, thou good and faithful servant, Thou hast been faithful over few things. Now look at the rest of it. I will make thee ruler over many things. Say, boy, I wish I had something like that. You know, a lot of times uh, we had young men that would come to the Bible College in California, and they would see Pastor Chapel, and they'd go over to his house, and they'd see his house, and they'd see his car, 
and they see all this stuff and they thought, boy, I can't wait to get into the ministry so I can have a house like that, have a car like that, have a church like this, be running this many people. And what they, don't, what they didn't realize was how Pastor Chapel actually started in ministry. And the same is true for many. But see, a lot of people don't want to make that sacrifice. And God says, look, I'm looking for someone who is faithful. Timothy was faithful. He was reliable. He was a man not only that was reliable, but he was a submissive person too. As a matter of fact, Paul called him his son in the ministry. Look back to what we read a minute ago in verse 22. The Bible says, you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. This young man was dear to Paul. You know why? Because there wasn't a, a battle for authority. It wasn't Timothy going, you know what, Paul, you're getting old and, and maybe a little senile, and I think it's time for you to hang it up and let me take it from here. No. Paul says, look, Timothy's been reliable, but he's also yielded to whatever it is that God would have me to do. And Timothy said, Paul, listen, I, I want to help you do whatever it is God's called you to do. I I'm not a big uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, but I remember when I was younger growing up, they, one of the probably premier quarterbacks of the day was Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys, and that was back when the Cowboys were actually a good team. And, uh, and Roger Staubach, he led the Cowboys to the world championship in 1971, but they reported that Staubach admitted that his position as a quarterback, that while he was the quarterback, and many times people see the quarterback as his own man doing his own thing, that Stallback admitted that he didn't call his own signals, and it was a real source of trial for him. Because he thought, I'm the quarterback, I'm the head cheese. I'm the one that, that, that scores all the points, throws the touchdown passes, and, and, and I can't even call my own plays because Coach Landry set everything in every play. He, he controlled everything, and he told Roger Stallback, he said, when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play, and according to Landry, he better be right if he does change it. And as a result of that, Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, but pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Later on, Roger Stallback said these words, I faced up to the issue of submission. And once I learned to yield, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Folks, listen, that's the one thing that Paul received from Timothy was he was reliable to what God had had him to do and he was submissive to whatever it is God had placed on Paul's heart as the man of God and Timothy helped him in so many ways and because there was harmony between the two instead of being at odds against one another, God's work went forth and people's lives were changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that we can see here that Timothy was one that had an, had an approved reputation, but notice he also was an available replacement. Look what it says in verse number 23, him therefore I hope to send presently. I hope to send presently. Timothy had made himself available to Paul. He said, 
Paul, I'm here, whatever you need, whatever you would like for me to do. God is not looking for availability. God is looking for, excuse me, God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for somebody, as Isaiah wrote, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, Lord, send me. That ought to be all of our hearts. Lord, whatever you want me to do, and that certainly was the heart of Timothy, who was a man faithful in ministry. But notice the second character sketch we see tonight is the Apostle Paul, because Paul was faithful in trials. He was faithful in trials, and certainly he had his share of them, but Paul didn't let what he was going through at this time, which was the house arrest that he was under, Paul didn't let this keep him from serving even the churches to whom he was endeared to. Even in his imprisonment, Paul took every opportunity to witness for Christ and to help others in their growth. You know, folks, look, when we get to the place where we realize that God's given us an opportunity, I talked to so many the other day and said, there, there's real joy in trying to help others to reach their potential for the Lord. Uh, Brother Kenny and Miss Becky work with our teenagers, and, and what they're doing is they're trying to point those teenagers towards Jesus. Now, the pull is the world. Every time teenagers turn around, they're being pulled by something, and it's important that, that we stay faithful. And boy, God's given us opportunities, but you wouldn't consider an opportunity to be a trial. But yet that's what God chose so many times for Paul. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned. So many trials that Paul went through. But notice in the passage tonight, first of all, his present trial. What Paul was going through, he was under arrest and here he was. He was waiting and I, boy, listen, I have a hard time sometimes playing the waiting game. But Paul was patiently waiting. He was waiting to see what the outcome would be. Because remember earlier, Paul had appeal of... He had appealed to Caesar, and he was waiting to find out uh, what was going to happen to him and, and the future of his life and really the future of the ministry. But while he was there in his present situation, Paul didn't, he didn't shun the opportunity. Paul said, I'm going to take this opportunity, and he witnessed to those around him. Do you know that no matter where you're at, you might go to the, to the uh, car repair place tomorrow and sit down in the lobby and guess what? Somebody's going to sit next to you. God puts people right next to us many times, and we don't seize those opportunities. Pastor, you mean I should talk to somebody about the Lord in the middle of a jiffy loop? Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that at all. They talk about every wicked, ungodly thing under the sun. Why can't you talk to them about Jesus? And it's a great time, and that's what Paul did. Look what the Bible says in Acts 28. And when they had appointed him a day, now notice there, they gave him an opportunity is what the Bible says. There came many to him. Now he's, he's under arrest. He, they come into his lodging to whom when they came, what did he do? He sat around and said, woe is me. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my life. I'm kind of nervous about this whole thing. No, that's not what the Bible says at all. It says when they came to him, he expounded and he testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets. Look how long he talked to them. Some of you think my preaching's long. The Bible says from morning until evening. Now listen, I'm going to tell you what, he just loaded both barrels and the full arsenal 
and said, I've got a captive audience. I'm just going to unload back up the truck and let them have it all. He began with the law. He, in other words, he began to go, just go through the entire Old Testament, which is all they really had at this particular time because the New Testament canon was not completed. And Paul began to share. And the Bible says, some believed and some believed not. Some listened to Paul's message. By the way, not everybody's going to get saved. Say, well, if they're not going to listen, I'm not going to share the message. You're missing the point. Did you hear what Brother Chris said? Two people got saved through that silly red and blue campaign that we had, and we had a good time with it. But like he said, even if one would have been saved, it would have been worth it all. The reality is, is that this side of heaven, we have no idea the impact of all the witnessing and all the door knocking and all the gospel tracts that were left. Hey, listen, more may come out of that because I believe that God blesses his word, which is a seed. And all this we need to do is go out and sow the seed and God will water it and God will give the increase. We see here tonight that Paul was in this trial and while he was there, he was just trying to encourage people. He was sharing Jesus with them. Hey, how about this? Paul also took this opportunity. Again, let me remind you, while he was in prison, that he wrote letters of encouragement. I wonder sometimes if we found ourselves in situations that Paul found himself in. Like, for instance, I hope it doesn't happen, but let's say you found yourself in the hospital this week. Would you be lying in bed, moaning and groaning, thinking about yourself, thinking about how life has, has dealt you a bad deal, about how God doesn't love you anymore, nobody's come by to see you? Or would you take some stationery to the hospital and start to write letters to people and encourage them while you're laying there in the hospital? That's what Paul did. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What letters of encouragement did Paul write while he was in prison? Well, just little letters like Ephesians, Philippians, where we're at tonight. How about Colossians and a small little book called Philemon? These were all letters, epistles that Paul wrote to the churches, God's people, to encourage them. Hey, folks, if I'm going to get a letter and I get a letter from somebody while they're in prison encouraging me, I think I can easily find encouragement because if he can be in prison and be an encouraging person and find joy in the Lord, certainly I can too. Paul was in this present trial, and while he was there, notice he also had his anticipated release. The Bible says in verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Paul said, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'm just anticipating that I'm going to get out of here. You study where Paul writes to the church in Rome. We call it the book of Romans. Paul writes to them and he indicates that he has a real desire to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the regions beyond, to take it to places that have never heard about the love of God. And so this was his intention, but that was his desire before he was placed in prison. While he's awaiting to find out what the outcome is going to be, he's hoping, here in verse 24, that he's going to get out of prison, that he's going to be able to take the gospel, maybe go by the church at Philippi, but then he would take the gospel and go to regions beyond. Look at what he wrote in Romans 15. But now, having no more place in these parts and having a great desire 
these many years to come unto you. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. So here's Paul. Paul finds himself being faithful in a time of trials. Folks, what an encouragement to us that if Paul can be in his present situation where he's under house arrest, where he's taken the opportunity to continue to witness to people, continue to try to point people towards Jesus Christ, continuing to try to encourage people to develop their growth in the Lord and have a personal relationship, and he still has the desire, hey, you know what, if I get out of here, I'm going to take the gospel where it's never been taken before. That sounds to me like somebody that's being faithful in trials. But notice the third one that you all read, and you began in verse 25, by the man by the name of Epaphroditus. This was a man who was faithful in battle. He was faithful in battle. The Bible says that he was a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul. He was a companion in labor, in the work of God. He was sent by the church to check on Paul, to make sure Paul was okay, to bring the financial support that they had raised. Listen, the church cared about Paul. It, it says here in Philippians chapter 4, but I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Notice how the Word of God describes what they sent to Paul. It was an odor of a sweet smell. You know why? Because it came from the people of God. It was a, a, a sacrifice acceptable and because it was, it was well-pleasing to God. F.B. Meyer said, don't waste your time waiting and longing for long opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. And so Paul says, look, I am glad for this man by the name of Epaphroditus that he was a fellow worker. He was a companion of mine in the work of God. But notice, he describes him also as a fellow soldier a soldier for the cause of Christ. The very word fellow soldier means an associate in labors and conflicts for the cause of Christ. You look, if we're going to live for the Lord, certainly there's going to be opposition. People are going to try to stop the work of God. They don't want to hear about God. I was at, uh, we had a, a memorial service for Brother Richie's mom this past week, and we had a sweet time, and Brother Richie was so appreciative that Many of our church members were able to come, and we were able to just talk to some folks while we were there at the funeral home. And as it came time for the service, I began to share things about Sylvia and, and began to talk about how that uh, later in life that she came to the place where she realized she wasn't saved, and she put her faith in Christ. She never got out of that, that, that nursing home, and she, she had a lot of physical problems, and she was an amputee, and she struggled with a lot of things, but she, she always kept a good spirit, a good attitude, had a sense of humor about her. And I know personally that, I believe it was Brother Kenny maybe, that we went to see her whenever they had that tragic situation with the home that she was in, with the hurricane, they lost the power, you saw it on the news, and all of that, and they, they displaced all the people that were in her home, and she was sent here to, to one of the memorial hospitals, and she was laying there in her room, and I went into that room and began to, I said, Sylvia, how you doing? And she greeted us and she, we were talking and there was a nurse that was in her room 
And I, I started to, to witness to that nurse. And ever so often I looked over at Sylvia and she was just smiling. She never stopped me. She never said, hey, listen, Pastor, don't, don't be doing that while, while you're in here. She never did that at all. Matter of fact, she was glad that I was sharing Jesus with this nurse. As I was thinking about her and I was thinking about this whole situation, we were, uh, I, was, I was sharing the message uh, while we were there at the funeral home and I was giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ and it came time to give the invitation and no doubt there were some that, that probably did not know Christ. And I remember as I shared that, everybody sat and listened well. But those of you that were there, you probably remember like I did, if you lifted your eyes and looked, there was a young man on the front row. When I began to give the gospel and began to give the invitation to trust Christ, he got up. He walked over and nudged a young lady on the front row, and she got up, and they walked out of the funeral home. He wanted nothing to do with Christ. There's always going to be those that want nothing to do with Jesus. But listen, I'm glad that whenever we face situations like that, that you and I, we have people like Epaphroditus who are, are co-laborers, fellow soldiers in the conflict for the cause of Christ, the labor and the welfare that, that had entered into this situation had caused Paul uh, to, 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 to care for Epaphroditus. The Bible mentions that this, this man became sick. The Bible says, even unto death. But listen, the one thing that got me about this man's testimony was, as sick as he was, he was still being faithful to God. It doesn't take much to get people to quit coming to church, to miss a service. You know, it's kind of like these sports figures that are paid millions of dollars and they'll miss a game and somebody will say, well, he, he's not playing today because he has turf toe. Turf toe? What is turf toe? You know, I just read about Cal Ripken and Lou Gehrig and others that played with broken bones. And I think of how many people, it doesn't take much, but you know, a fellow soldier will continue in the fight. And Epaphroditus was a, a fellow worker. He was a fellow soldier. Notice he was a fellow messenger. A fellow messenger. Epaphroditus, he cared about other people. And he wanted to make sure that the needs of the Apostle Paul were being met. And this man, if you look at his life, here's how I would describe him. He was a selfless man. Epaphroditus didn't care about himself. Matter of fact, he cared about the church so much, even to the detriment of his own self, his own health. The Bible says in Philippians 2.26, For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Now here's what I see when Paul begins to turn his heart towards this man Epaphroditus because he was a fellow worker, he was a fellow soldier, he was a faithful minister. Look what the Bible says in verse 28. I send him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. The, Paul says, I, I want you to receive Epaphroditus, but I want you to receive him carefully. In other words, with great care. Paul was telling them that they were, they were to receive him, first of all, in the Lord. You know why? Because he was a brother in Christ. Not only were they to receive him in the Lord, but they were to receive him with all gladness. Why? Because this man had recovered from a great illness. I mean, it's a wonderful thing when you see God deliver somebody from some sickness, some disease. 
to recover strength. And, and Paul says, look, you need to receive him in the Lord with all gladness. And then he says, you need to hold him in reputation. What's he saying there? He's saying that you need to treat him, receive him like he is an honored guest. Why? Because this man, for the cause of Christ, had come near death for the very work of God. You know what we call many of those people that die in the Lord and for the Lord? The Bible uses the word martyr. They were martyred for the faith, just like Pilphot that I read about earlier. There was an old man that was walking on the beach at dawn, and he noticed a young man ahead of him. The young man was picking up starfish, and he was flinging the starfish back into the sea. The old man caught up to the young man, and he says, what are you doing? And the answer from the young man was, he says, I, I'm trying to help these stranded starfish to get back into the water because if I don't, they're going to die in the morning sun. The old man looked, and he looked down the stretch of beach, and he says, but there's millions of starfish, and there's miles and miles of beach. How can you make a difference? And the young man looked down at the starfish in his hand, and he flung it back out in the water, and he said, just made a difference to that one. You and I can make a difference. We can make a difference how? By being faithful. We see some great illustrations here of people. And look, I, I know you're thinking, God hasn't called me into ministry. Every one of us have been called to minister. You may not be in full-time ministry, but you're a full-time Christian. And we can be faithful in ministry. When trials come, guess what? We can still be faithful. And when the battles come, God says, I want you still to be faithful. I love what Spurgeon said. He said, I know of nothing which I would choose to have as the subject of my ambition for life than to be kept faithful to my God till death, to still be a soul winner, to still be a true herald of the cross, and to testify the name of Jesus to the last hour, to the last hour. Let's be found faithful. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening, for the Word of God. Pray that you'd bless each person here that is listening to the Word of God. Lord, what is required in a steward is that a man, a woman, a teenager would be found faithful. Lord, help us to be faithful in the little things, few things. And as we are, Lord, we realize that, God, you may give us more opportunity. Tomorrow, this week, maybe sometime this year, you're going to have us somewhere where somebody's going to be there right next to us, maybe in a waiting room, maybe in a place of business, maybe in our home. And, God, you're going to give us the opportunity, and your Holy Spirit is going to tug on our hearts. And we won't hear an audible voice, but it'll be something like this. Talk to them about Jesus. I hope and pray that we take those opportunities. And as we do, as we're faithful to be a witness, Lord, I pray that we would see people, their lives changed. God, may we be faithful in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you